0: Welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your hosts, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan, and I have my co-host here with me today, Sandra Sims. Buddy, how you doing today?
2: It is beautiful today. I is love it?
1: fall. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in the uh, Magic City. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Now, listen, buddy, before we get started today, i got to do two shout outs. You don't mind, do you? Oh, no. no. All right. So, you know how on our show, we are big fans of moms, oh, right? Yes. And all of our listeners seem to have a great mom story. And today, we are having on our show the quintessential mom but we'll get to that in just a second all right. but before we keep going buddy just want to wish a happy birthday to my mom and your oh. adoptive mother
2: yes patsy,
1: yes patsy brian she's having a big birthday today and well they're all big but not not this one's not any bigger than usual but she's having a birthday today so happy birthday mom uh love you i hope you've had a great day Uh, And we've already uh, Facetime once and talked, so we're good. But, uh, buddy, happy
2: birthday, mom! Thank
1: you, buddy. Thank you. And listen, buddy, the next piece of huge news. Are you ready for this? Oh my gosh! I have confirmed via text message today that we have picked up our seventeenth listener.
2: No way! Way! Oh, my yes. Wait, it is 17. Uh,
1: yes. Our friend, Dr. Julie Kennell from the Ohio State University. Nice. The uh, niece of Donna Hester and spitting image of Donna Hester is our 17th listener. So that was very um, that
2: was great. Right.
1: We need it. We need gosh. some party sound effects. We Absolutely.
2: do. So where's listen, our buddy. where's our tech person doing that? Where are the sound effects? Come on all right ginger okay. i'll work on it i'll we work on some, it i don't
1: know fireworks or something ding, Steph, ding, ding. Steph's listeners is really really <laughs> huge that's basically we're kind of like picking up one an episode right so Wow, buddy. We listen, so at least killing. we're not
2: going backwards. Okay, well, that's you know, true.
1: really, we're, we're climbing. <laughs> we that's might, it. That's, we might be going backwards. But listen, no, buddy. No, don't say that. Don't say buddy, that. today on the show, I am so excited because we have one of my most favorite all-time human beings on the entire planet. And I know you feel the same way. Absolutely. Kathy Hill. Kath, welcome to Radio Gold.
0: Oh, thank you all. This is so fun to be with you all. And a shout out to Patsy one of my fun traveling buddies over the years. Yep, we, um, great day. Happy birthday, Pat.
1: Well, thank you so much, Kath. We have had some fun little road trips over to the beach and some other places. So uh, I appreciate you uh, doing that shout out for mom. We are just so excited to have you on the show today. And buddy, listen, you know what? The only thing that would make this show better today, do you, do you want me to tell you?
2: Uh, if she if she brought you her spaghetti, buddy, were you really just
1: OK, I was going to say okay. if we had a road show <laughs> and we were broadcasting live from Kathy's kitchen. OK,
2: I, I had she a feeling. might
1: be making her spaghetti and meatballs.
2: See, I I just knew that spaghetti was <laughs> right. going to make well, it in the show.
1: Buddy, buddy, the spaghetti is just to die for. I, so OK,
2: OK. Time out. Yeah, Kathy. Yes. I have never had your spaghetti. Oh, boy. I absolutely am. I'm I'm. I'm upset. So well, we'll, I need we'll it. fix that. Can you, can you ship me some today? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about today. <laughs> all right. No, well, I, I'm sorry, but I, I have heard you're an incredible cook. So uh, well, if we could ever do sweet. that road show, I would and, absolutely love that.
1: And we are going to okay. do it, buddy. It is going to happen. But listen, I want all of our listeners to know all the great things about Kath that we know. Um, So, Kathy began teaching at LSU in 1974. She retired officially in May of 2012 after 38 years of service to the School of Kinesiology and LSU. Yeah. After her retirement, she stayed on to coordinate the medical internship program for the School of Kinesiology. And you know, buddy, this is probably where we know uh, Kathy best from, and that is her 18 years of service as executive director for Layford, the Louisiana Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation and Dance. And Kath remains on the uh, board of directors of Layford to this day. She's a 20 year member of the Louisiana Governor's Council for Physical Fitness and Sports, where she served, this is is amazing, as the first and only female executive director in that organization, which is just, I can't wait to hear more about that. Kathy also chairs the Tour de Fitness, which is a teacher training program that focuses on increasing the number of activity minutes during physical education classes. She's a recipient of the AFERD honor award. The AFERD presidential award, the Southern district honor award, the Layford honor award, and the Layford presidential award. And finally, buddy, this is not going to surprise you at all. But the Louisiana Aford renamed their honor award to the Katherine F. Hill Honor Award. Isn't that so
2: cool? That is amazing. Yeah. So what a listen, great honor.
1: I am so pumped about today's show.
2: You know, Kathy, you have you've you've done so much over your career. Um, an amazing thing. That list is I mean, you've you're honored everywhere. You've been with Layford and Southern District. You've done so many things. Can you, why don't you tell us, those were some highlights that Charity talked about. What about some highlights? What would have been some of your favorite highlights of your career?
0: Well, you know, um, when you've been doing this for like 53 years, there's a lot. And when I think back, certainly my first leadership position uh, in our field was to to be president of Lafer. Now I had been like a vice president, secretary, and that kind of thing. But when you're president, you know it, it goes to a whole other level. And then after that, shortly after I was president and past president, uh, I became executive director, and I really took that ED job thinking it would be a three-year stint, and that would be it. And little did I know that you know 18 years later. Um, uh, I would lead that position, and uh, it would be in such great hands over the years, and, and the association has just grown. But certainly my association with labor has had a profound impact uh, on my career. Um, also, I was involved in Special Olympics uh, at the inception here in Louisiana for many years and served on the national um, International Special Olympics Committee when we hosted the 1983 Games here. That that was a huge undertaking. Uh, I also had an opportunity to be at one of the administrators for the National Sports Festival that was held here in Baton Rouge after Special Olympics. I also uh, had an opportunity to, to serve on the National Gymnastics Committee that put on the championship when it was held here uh, at lsu and uh, again you know looking back over my career certainly it's the people it's all about the people that you meet when you do those kind of things and i i was fortunate enough or unfortunate depending on how you look at it to be the chairman of the um, national uh, AFER convention. Uh, one year I was actually the chairman. Another year I was co-chairman earlier in my career. And then uh, I also chaired a couple of the Southern District conventions when they were held here. So those things, you know, when you, when you do and you're involved in those kinds of things, you meet so many people. And you know, you fare it out, you learn things, you, you look at people and you think, hmm, that person kind of rubs people wrong or wow, this person's really got, you know, a great way with people. And you you just value all of those experiences and, and I hope that I've taken them and grabbed onto the really good things and made it a part of of me and how I do things. Uh, and thrown the, the not-so-good things to the side. But uh, I've just been so fortunate over the years to meet so many people, such diverse people, through all of those different um, events. Well, you, yeah. know,
2: Kat, you know, Kathy, you, uh, you've meant so much to Layford and Southern District, but you bring so much to the table. You have, you're such a giver. Uh, you're such that social organizer. I mean, you, you, you have great organization skills. And so uh, I love hearing about your highlights, but I'm going to be honest with you. My, my heart uh, did a little, I don't know, a somersault, I guess, a little bit. When, when you talked about Special Olympics, there's, there's something, there's, there's nothing like working um, in those events and watching uh, those athletes. And that's an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm really proud that you've done all those things because I know that that's been, you've been great with those, uh,
0: well, with all those amazing. events. And, and you know, the other thing about Special Olympics is people used to go out. And I know in the beginning, for me, when I didn't know anything about it, I would go out and think, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help them. I'm going to be of service. But what you don't realize is when you leave there, how much the athletes and their families give to you. Right. And it's just... The, the sweet things they say, the love they, they hug you, they want to they appreciate touch you, they hold your hand, right? Yes. Just unabashed appreciation. It, it's just amazing.
1: Well, Kath, I know we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about uh, Special Olympics in a bit, and that that is just such a great. A great thing that you and your uh, late husband, Ernie, were both involved in. I I know that that had to just be a lot of fun for you guys. But I want to go back just real quick to Layford. And, you know, again, the Layford Honor Award, which is the highest award that the Louisiana AFER gives to or bestows on a member, you know, has been renamed the Catherine F. Hill Honor Award. What on earth would – and I remember that day, by the way. I remember when this happened. But what was it like to to walk into that awards luncheon and for this announcement to be made and all of a sudden here comes, you know, little Roy and Marcy and Stacy, your kids were there. And what what was that like to, to go up there and go, oh, my gosh, they've just named the highest award in the entire organization after me. What was that like for you?
0: Well, I was a little scared because I thought you had to be dead. That to you. Oh no! <laughs> but I mean, obviously, it was so humbling, and having my children there, which was a huge surprise. And I mean that—that's all Bill Dickens. I mean, we all know Bill. He's just such a fine person, such a great, um, a great professional. He, he actually was an executive director after I did for six years and just so fine. But um, it, it was very emotional. I, I really, um, I, I took a deep breath and I thought, wow, you know, this is it. This is kind of the culmination of your career. You can't ask for any more than this. And so it, it was very, very moving for me.
1: Well, and it, was, it was awesome to be there. I got to tell you.
0: What year was that? Oh my
2: goodness. Okay. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I, I was just, has it been, yeah. has it
2: been a long time? Cause that's an amazing
0: I, award. I think it's been four years.
2: Wow. But you know, the, the, just, just to have an, an award named after you is already, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask you some, we're going to, let's roll back a little bit. Um, right. A buddy of mine, I don't, no, they'll go nameless, oh uh, shared with me some some <laughs> little nuggets about you, and I don't know these, so I cannot okay. wait to hear about this. So, okay, Kathy, you were, you went to University of Florida for your undergraduate. Okay. So, okay, so, okay, I, I, I don't even want to think about you moving your arms or doing some kind of chomping thing. And oh boy. But, Okay, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I need to know what I, I need to know, why did you decide to go to Florida and why physical education? So I'm interested. What was what took you there?
0: OK, so I went to the University of Florida because Florida State messed up my dorm application. Oh, oh my. And I, <laughs> wow. oh. I had been, now, this is crazy, you know, but I I had been accepted both places and when Florida State said, there's a problem, but we can put you in a bunk bed in in the gym oh. with some other girls. And we know within three or four weeks, there'll be openings. We can move you in a dorm. Oh no. Said, uh-uh. Oh no. no, no. Uh-uh. You're going to Florida. <laughs> nope. You got a room. You're, you're going. But I went there because I really, my, my goal was to be a dental hygienist.
2: Oh, and
0: um, Florida did not have a program. And, um, So I I went to the University of North Carolina for an interview, and they only took one person out of state from, um, you know, from each of the southern states in their program. And so they, as an undergraduate, and they said, you know, "Go, go to a university and major in something that has a lot of science. And so I kind of looked through, and and a lot of the biology stuff just did not. I wasn't real interested in plants or fish and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I looked, and I came on physical education, and I, I loved sports. And I saw the anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, motor learning, all of that stuff. And I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll do this for two years, and then I'll transfer as a junior to the university of North Carolina and I got there and I loved it. And I thought, okay, you know, I've changed my mind. This is what I want to do. Wow. I, I, I was very involved in, you know, student activities there. And, um, I, I just decided that's what I was going to do, stay and get my degree.
2: So you stayed at Florida. Be a teacher. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now mm-hmm. this, friend of mine shared mm-hmm. with me something about a dress code and there was a dress code for women and maybe mm-hmm. something ha- okay so here's the, I don't know apparently why I got these questions because clearly. My friend knows about these things, but she wanted you to share this with our audience. So why don't you. Buddy, this is a great story.
1: I mean, for okay, all of I us know, that have ever been in trouble before, this is a great story. I, I, I to, mean, I... you look at Kath and you go, <laughs> never violated a rule in her life. And Correct. Then then you, and then you you dig deeper and you go, OMG. There's,
2: okay, there's a couple I, of
1: infractions here that and we, that's why that I'm we thinking need to really talk about.
2: Something is wrong with this question. And no, I no. just
0: think, Okay. Well,
2: guess what, Kathy? I have to know now what in the world happened. So give it to me.
0: Well, it's very funny that Charity said that because my daughter, (laughs) Stacy, the other day told me, Mom, you are such a rule follower. (laughs) And she was a little exasperated with me. But anyway, so, yes, we had a dress code at Florida. We could not wear pants. We could not wear shorts to class. You could only wear them. You could wear pants and or shorts depending on the weather. Um, after five o'clock on Friday afternoons Oof. and until Sunday evening, Oof. but during during the week to class, you had to wear a dress or a skirt. Buddy, I, okay, buddy, I'm we would out. have I'm had
1: out. to transfer. So,
0: yep, yeah, it's not <laughs> really that was the way it was everywhere. Okay. Okay. It wasn't just started. home okay. school. We had a homeschool. homeschool. Okay, <laughs> home <school>. okay. <laughs> so I had a soccer class on a field that couldn't be any farther from the tennis courts if you had planned it out that way. I mean, one was on one side of the campus, the other was on the other. And, of course, you only had like 15 minutes to get to class. So I was very exasperated with this setup, which meant that I had to change. And it was kind of in the wintertime. And I had my um, fleece, navy blue uh, pants like warm-up pants and a navy blue sweatshirt which was what we had to wear if it was cold and so what I did I thought I was pretty clever actually and I I put on my um, loafers with socks Oh, and I pulled my um, elastic leg the part of my um, pants up on my knees and I I put uh, a scarf around my neck and I put a trench coat on And I proceeded to walk across campus to the tennis court. That's genius. I know. I thought it was really smart. And it wasn't like I was doing anything like exposing myself or, you know, a a real brash um, rule-breaking deal. And so an upperclassman stopped me and said, "Uh, open your coat.
1: No. No.
0: Uh, and I did.
1: Kath, did you know this person at all? No. Oh my no. gosh. What was it like so a citizen's wrote, arrest?
0: Yeah. Uh, they wrote oh my me gosh. up That's and t- gave the gave the note. I had to tell what dorm I was in and I gave they gave the note to my the head of the dorm and they made sure that I didn't go out that next oh, weekend.
2: Brutal. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, oh. wait, wait, wait. You were on the soccer field going to the tennis courts or you yes. vice versa. And you yes. would have to change clothes between Yeah. I know you didn't have to wear a dress on the while you're playing, right? No, no, no. Okay. no. You but, changed, but you couldn't walk across your, campus. Right. Oh my that's okay. brutal. Oh my okay. Oh, but hey
1: buddy, I mean really, hats off to Kath for the trench coat and the loafers. I think it's
2: I think it's genius. I it's did. a little I it's
1: bit it's, cool. it's a little inspector gadget meets Yeah, you know, uh preppy eighties. Yeah, absolutely. I love okay. it.
2: And I always have to bring something to the table that my my friends don't know about me. We had a dress code at some point at Jemison through one of the administrators. Yeah, that you I couldn't walk through the hallway without having something covering my shorts. And um, Mm -hmm. my mom, Bebe Joyce, made me. Yeah, she made me a wraparound skirt. Oh no way! Oh, okay, 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 okay. Wait. No, listen, listen, okay. I, and okay. I knew, see, I knew if I tried to bring this up, Kathy, what you need to know, is this brutal on the show? <laughs> it's not. I, tr- I try to bring forward just some mm-hmm. of these ideas, but I knew, why did I even bring this up? This but is But I so need fabulous. you to know, I did, I didn't, mine wasn't as genius as yours because I did not like this skirt and my mother was try- just trying to be sweet, trying to help mm-hmm. me get through mm-hmm. without getting thrown out of being a teacher. OK, so I'm walking in the hall and I just don't remember having. I think I just had it draped over my shoulder, you know, <laughs> you know, because I was yeah. trying to show that I could I could throw it on real quick if I had it. But anyway, right. I, I just need you to know it didn't go well because I really I, I, wrap around skirts. It just didn't work. But I did not get pulled over by an upperclassman. But I am just going to say, I don't know how you didn't get passed with that trench coats because that was a great idea and buddy not just the trench coat and
1: loafers but a scarf too i mean she oh, yeah. was accessorized okay. to the to the hilt here
2: I I, mean, i'm with on. you i knew i'm not I a scarf girl. if
0: they saw my my navy blue sweatshirt collar <laughs> right that uh, you were covering it all up i'm telling you you are ingenious
2: I, I i'm beginning to worry about this thing that you always follow the rules because i i don't know yeah. about that <laughs> you had you had that well too planned out OK, <laughs> so apparently there's another uh, rumor about something about a school bus, about you having yep. to teach on a school bus. OK, I need to hear. I did. I, I'm just bringing forward the questions that I was given because uh, I don't know. I, but I love this yeah. about finding out about you, Kathy. Tell and me. More, actually, honey. Hey,
1: buddy, I got to tell you, I did not even know this. Somebody Uh-oh.
2: somebody gave me this story. And my poor Uh-oh. feeble
1: memory is so short, I can't even remember. So, Kath, this is going to be a great one for, for all of our listeners.
0: Okay. So, when I, when I did my student teaching and got my first teaching job in Gainesville, right there where the university is, um, it was a brand new school. I had done a little field work at a, a uh, middle school and met the principal He really liked me. He said, "Look, I'm gonna. We're opening a new school, middle school. I'd love for you to consider taking a job. So I did. Um, it was great to know I was going to have a job before I even graduated, and you know, made my parents real happy. And um, that the it was a beautiful school, state of the art. And within one year, we had such an explosion of students that they had." No um, temporary buildings, no way to accommodate them. So they brought in old school buses.: Oh my gosh. And they put them up on cinder blocks and took the oh, wheels off. No, so we could steal them. And um, we, they took out the driver's seat and put a chalkboard up front. Oh, wow. And I, w- I was teaching science then. I was oh. teaching um, seventh and eighth grade science. And our kids came, my class came in, sat down on the bus. We taught class. If it was raining, of course, the windows had to be up. If it was cold, the windows had, we had no heat. We had no air conditioning. And Gainesville is very much like Baton Rouge, very much like, you know, um, probably Birmingham. I know Birmingham gets very hot. Yes, ma'am. But, um, and it gets cold and. Um, it was brutal. Oh my gosh! But that that was not a fun year.
2: Did you you had to we, do it a whole we, year?
0: Yeah, and we oh. we actually after Christmas, the teachers went out on strike statewide. Wow! And um, they finally they settled the strike, and we went back. But when we went back, we had to go you know back to the school bus back to the bus oh my god! the best thing that happened to us really because we had parents we had to meet every day downtown at a theater and we had parents that just yelled ugly things at us when we were going into the theater but then a lot of those parents went out to the school to volunteer to be substitute teachers and all they had to do was go through what we went through and within a very short period of time, they were ready to do whatever needed to be done to get us back in the classroom. Wow. So it, it was pretty eye opening. You know, Kathy,
2: that's, I mean, that's an amazing th- story yeah. that you could, were, were actually asked to do that. Number one. Um, yeah. And that your students, uh, I just can't imagine. So, I mean, you, kudos to you for even making it through now. I need to, I have, I've got one more question to ask and then we'll pass All it right. on. But so how in the world did you get from Florida? Because apparently you went to Florida there, and then you stayed there for a while. Then all of a sudden now you got back to Louisiana. I need to hear the story of what took you to Louisiana.
0: Well, my husband graduated from Tennessee, and he came to University of Florida to coach. I met him there. We both were there for a year, and then he accepted a job in Alabama.
2: Uh-oh. Yep. And
0: he, he taught, um, he, well, he, he taught a couple, one or two, maybe, maybe a physical education class. I can't remember now, but he was, he was the head baseball coach and assistant basketball coach at Athens college, which is now I think called Athens state college right. where and, Andy Nazaritan was. Yes.
1: We, yes, um, buddy. This is like I full know. circle. It you is.
0: Know? Very, yeah. Very. she became a very good friend of ours, you know, and, and liked her very, very much. And then my husband got an opportunity to come to Louisiana and we went to Northwestern State University and he was the, um, uh, head of the activity program there and ran their Coliseum, um, their basketball arena. And, He arranged for me in his interview, unbeknownst to me, for me to get a grad assistantship so that I could get my master's degree. And so we went there. We stayed there two years. And um, then he had an opportunity to come to LSU. We moved here. Um, When we moved here, our twins were not even uh, a month old. And we had uh, Marcy, who wasn't even four at the time. So I did not work those first two years, and then I worked a couple years with East Baton Rouge Parish before I was then hired at LSU, Um, and we just stayed. Uh, It was funny. After about three years, I said, hey, do I need to get some boxes? And he said, why? And I said, well, we've moved within a year or two every place we've been. I just wondered if I needed to start. And he said, do you like it here? And I said, actually, I do. And he said well let's think about staying and we did wow that's, it. We that's it. a
2: great story so florida alabama louisiana and then there there you've been nice job
1: doesn't i think you deserve a gold medal if you pack and move with a four-year-old and like one month old twins i agree yeah, there's yes, got to be some no. kind of national award for that i mean <laughs> really, i agree i had
0: I did have some good friends in Natchitoches that helped out, oh. but I, I, Sandra, I have to tell you that I taught at Elkmont High School. Uh oh. Well, it was Elkmont School, which is north of Athens, and it was a K-12 school, and the principal would not let me wear shorts. Oh, pants. that's so brutal. I, I wore it. They were a very fundamentalist religion was the the predominant religion there, and. Um, so I, I had to wear culottes oh. every day. Oh gosh.
2: Okay. Yeah. Ooh, you win.
0: I yeah. really, wow.
2: I, I only had to do it through the building and I didn't do that very well. I guess I'm a rule breaker too. So, but a mm. uh, great story and what a great event for you to be able to go from Florida back to Good old Louisiana. So that was nice. Thank you.
1: Hey, Seth, I want to kind of shift gears and, and talk about your amazing journey of lifelong professional involvement. You know, so many of our guests are, you know, leaders in our field and, and they've been leaders in their state and in their district and nationally. And um, certainly you, you fit that category It's just the definition of a professionally involved person. But you know one one thing I think that our, our now seventeen listeners um, might not know is that you know we have a lot of listeners hopefully that are a member of their state Aford and you know the the conglomeration of the fifty state Aford executive directors are part of this amazing group of their own called Sam, the Society for Association Management and we Literally just talked uh, about the SAM group with uh, Maria Melchionda from Massachusetts. Mm, Yeah, Maria is the Massachusetts uh, AFERT executive director. And uh, we just had her on the show and we talked about uh, just the great relationships that SAM SAM builds. And I think if I recall correctly, you were an integral part of establishing that SAM group with those early leaders who said, you know what, we need our own network of, of people we can rely on. So what was that like, and and what was it like to be part of kind of that that early forming of SAM? And what
0: experience do you think SAM
1: provides the state leaders and the state EDs that's just so invaluable?
0: Well, yeah, I think going back, you know, now it's been quite a while, but I think there originally there were like 13 or 14 of us that we just, we were all, when you think about it, we're all trained to be teachers. We're, we didn't go through a business management program, we weren't accountants, we, we, knew, we knew our field, but all of a sudden you're thrown into this role where now you're negotiating contracts with hotels, you're doing membership, you're trying to formulate a budget, you're trying to decide how much money do we need to save every year, You know, all kinds of things that just are not in your wheelhouse. And um, so we all just kind of looked at each other and said, you know, we need a group. And so we started and we, we began meeting at the same time that our president elects met um, with the AFER staff to learn about their role and their job and what, how that dovetailed in with AFER. And the, those people over time, grew to, at one point, I think we, we may have had 45, 46 states. There were there were a few states that um, did not have executive directors, that their, their president served as their executive director, or they just didn't see a need for one. Um, and um, we had quite a nice group, and then we extended invitations, of course, to the national EDs of of NASPI and AHI, the national organizations as well. And and that group of people is the most amazing group of people I've ever, ever, ever worked with because there, there wasn't a prima donna, there wasn't somebody who wanted all the glory, who was doing it for the glory. Everybody that was doing it was doing it for the right reason. And I think that's why we all got along so well. I think that's why everybody, everybody learned so fast. Because I could send out something to the SAM group email, and within a matter of minutes, I'd get 15 or 20 responses. And it might be something like, hey, has anybody ever used um, member clicks? for processing your membership. Do they work? Are they good? Is their fee reasonable? Because we were constantly getting approached by different people to produce your journal, to manage your membership, to do your convention registration, all those kind of things. And it just became such a a rich resource for all of us and has remained that through the years. So it's it's a small group it's never had more than 50 people um and uh but yet it's a and the other advantage is it provides you some continuity and it also makes it nice when the district is coming into your state to do a convention and you've already met some of the other eds so that you can all work together and we promoted each other we we said, if you wanna to come to Louisiana to our convention, if you were a Alabama member, state member, you could come to our place and just pay the registration. You didn't have to be a LAFER member. So we had a lot of reciprocity um, that, that we felt like was really good for our people. Um, and, and we supported leadership conferences for our, our officers at the local and district level and we also supported the um, student leadership, which, Sandra, I know you are have just been a stalwart there and have done so much for the students, you and Charity both. But, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful group of people.
1: Yeah, Kath, you know, I think the uh, the thing that always blows my mind is we have such amazing leaders in our field and we have, you know, state associations that um, are just incredibly successful And, you know, sometimes we, I think we have to remind ourselves, we're largely, we're a group of kinesiology majors. You know, like you said, we're not, we don't have MBAs, most of, you know, I don't know anybody that's a kines major, I think that has an MBA, unless it was a sport management major, but, you know, we're essentially, where the state aprons are concerned, it's like running a small business, but yet, you know, you're, that really wasn't what you were prepared to do from an educational standpoint, so every, you know the the Sam group and Sandra said it on our, our show with Maria you know you walk into the room of a Sam meeting for whatever reason and you just stop in the doorway and you stare and you go oh my gosh this is like the cream of the crop leadership from across oh, yeah. our nation you know it's it's right. it's it'll just stop you in your
2: tracks really that is the truth really yeah. I mean it's just a it's just an amazing yeah. group and I think kudos to you for being you know, being there and developing. I think the point is this group is still strong. It has the ability oh, yeah. to continue to do some amazing things. They're the, they're the glue. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm always in awe of, of well, everybody yeah, that's in and, that room.
0: And they have, they all to the person, they all do it for the right. Use. Correct. Yep. You know, I mean, and, and, And that's why it's been so successful, and especially in Southern District, we've been so fortunate that we have had a very active group of people, um, executive directors that have hung in there and have supported all of the things that we know in Southern District have proved to be so important to helping our young people, not just our student leaders, but once they get out show them a path of how they can become a leader, get them involved in their state association, get them to, you know, our leadership conferences and our our district conventions. Right. So they see beyond, you know, their own state borders. Yeah,
1: that's a great point, Kath. And, you know, shifting gears just a little bit, you know, Kath, I I know you and your late husband, Ernie, um, you all did so much together. And I know that, Anybody who was at Layford or the Southern District in the last, you know, 20, 25, 30 years uh, probably knew Ernie, met him, uh, maybe saw him at a convention. And, you know, you guys were just such a a dynamic duo. And to start your careers kind of together when Ernie was coaching and, you know, you you all were at the same um, – at Northwestern together – um so what was it like in the early years of your career to kind of and i know you and ernie obviously had very different jobs but to to be in the same field essentially and you know you were teaching he was coaching you know what was what was that like because i think a lot of a lot of us you know our spouses do something else right they do something different but for those people in our field who have kind of married somebody also in the field. It just always kind of seems like it's really cool because you must have this inherent understanding of what the other one does, you know, all day, every day and what, what their work life is really like. So what was it like for you guys, especially early in your careers?
0: Well, it it was really great. And I will say that he, he was the person responsible to push me to get my master's degree. That, that was the farthest thing from my mind when we were moving to Louisiana. And, um, you know, he saw the value in it because he had gotten his at Tennessee and the opportunities that the more degrees, obviously, you have, the, the more opportunities you have. And um, but the neat thing about it for me was that, We could come home and talk about our jobs and we knew (laughs) what each other was talking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because he when we first went to Northwestern, he was not coaching. He was strictly teaching in their undergraduate preparation and coordinating the activity program. Um, And so, you know, we we I learned so much from him. He learned from me. Back then, we had separate departments. You had a men's department of health oh, yeah. and a women's. And, you know, there were questions about can women do this? And I was a good sounding board because I was the only woman that he felt like he could ask a question to without it sounding inappropriate. Right. You know, without having to go to, to HR other...
1: training, right? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and so, um, it was really good, and when we moved here, of course, he, he was out of of teaching and he was coaching. But um, all those players that he was in charge of were like our own kids. And you know, I, if they were interested, which most of them were interested in being teachers and coaches, then they were in our department. And so I kind of them through academic advising and some other. Come to Jesus kind of meetings <laughs> that they needed from time to time, and he would say, "Would you mind talking to?" And and I would, but um, it it was really good. It um it, it was great for our kids because um, we 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 were all kind of going. Once the children got in the lab school, everybody was going to the same place, and um so. Uh, it, it it was a, a good beginning to our life, especially when we were so far from our families. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Kath, that's awesome, and I know you and Ernie were um, really involved together uh, with Special Olympics. How did you two decide together to to get involved with that that cause? And what was that experience like um, over the the several decades that you guys dedicated? You know your lives and and service to Special Olympics. What was it like to do that together?
0: Well, it was great, but I have to tell you, we, we almost, we, we really did not make the choice. Ernie, Ernie was working and he, he became friends with this guy. And this was the year that I did not work when we first moved here. And the guy said, Hey, they're starting this thing up called Special Olympics. I want you to be my co-chair you don't have to do anything (laughs) Um, famous last word just just come to some meetings and we'll get through this together (laughs) and um, they were going to have their first state meet and about four months before the state meet this guy had a massive heart attack Oh, oh no and he had to i mean he literally retired from lsu he could not even return to work and so ernie became <laughs> catapulted into the chair's position and he looked at me and said i need help <laughs> and so i became the like the typist of all the heat sheets. oh wow and now we're talking manual typewriter yeah had, i remember we, those days yes 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 we had yes. some of those you know, discussions yeah we we finally were able to obtain one of those selectric Typewriters that had the the correcto. Oh yes, Uh, yes, ma'am. I I remember that was like that was like the heyday when
2: it that came out. Oh, it was big. That That
0: was fancy. That was that was a big big deal. Charity, you
2: wouldn't know. Just 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 don't even try. Okay. Okay.
0: But um, anyway, so we did the first year. We had our first state meet. We decided immediately that if he was going to be doing it and I was going to be helping him that we were not gonna have it at UL um, just because it was, you know, we didn't have the interstate back then. Mm -hmm. It was too hard to get over there and get back and get people over there and whatever. So we started having it here in Baton Rouge and um, it grew and grew and grew and it, it, it was just terrific. And then we decided we had gotten a grant from the Kennedy Foundation actually to help us with, you know, so because neither one of us were fundraisers. And um, then we we both looked at each other and said, you know what, this has gotten really big. And he had a buddy up uh, in, in the government at the legislature and talked this guy into creating a position in DHA wow. that would be a person whose job it was to run Special Olympics. Wow. And we had met Emmanuel Bourgeois, who was at Southeastern, um, at Hammond, not at Southeastern, but in Hammond at um, Hammond State School. And we recommended him for the job and he took it. And we just supported him after that. We did, you know, I was like an event coordinator. I was in charge of all the facilities. And then, when it really got down to the nitty gritty about the international games, we had to step it up. And uh, we got a lot of government commitment and things that we needed. Um, Ernie and Emmanuel, and a couple of of leaders, and someone from uh, D Gluck from the athletic department, went up and made the bid presentation. I typed the bid which was about 150 pages. Oh, my gosh. Oh,
1: wow. Um,
0: And uh, lo and behold, we were awarded the bid. And part of the bid was, and it was unique, had never been done before, was that as soon as the athletes, and these were coming from all over the world and all over the United States, as soon as they crossed into Louisiana airspace, they became guests of the state of Louisiana. So for the first time they did not the athletes did not have to pay for their room or their meals, wow. and that was huge because that allowed them to spend, spend more athletes and you know that's when official uniforms you know became popular it it, it just really mushroomed but louisiana set the bar um, for that one. And, and my job was clinics and entertainment. And I was in charge of the Olympic Village and all the evening functions, all the teaching clinics that went on. Uh, it, it was a tremendous undertaking, four years planning and, and eight or nine days of actual, you know, events.
1: Wow. And Kath, what year was that? That was in
0: 1983. That is my, I have the 1983 uh, license plate on my car. Uh, yes,
1: you've had it forever, too, as I recall. Yep. yep. Wow, that yep. is incredible. Well, and hey, listen, I think Ernie might be the only guy I know that could convince the government to add a position to to do a job. So, you know, he, he was a very effective uh, salesperson in that regard. He, he was good. Yeah. Yes,
2: he was. Well, well done. I think, again, I've, I've already said earlier that Special Olympics is a special place in our hearts, and I think what y'all did was – above and beyond, uh, and I, I can't imagine all the lives that you touch with all that service. So thank you for that. Now I'm going to move on to physical education questions, and this will be a, okay. we'll try to, we'll hit a few along the way, then we'll okay. just kind of move. Uh, but, you know, we, we asked this question several times on our podcast, just because we want, what's real important for our listeners to understand is we want other people to hear great people talk about quality daily physical education. And why we need it, and what does it look like? So, in your opinion, with everything that you've done with Layford and all your background, what do you believe about what what would it look like in your opinion? What does a good, or really a great, uh, physical education program look like that it has daily quality imp, um, implements?
0: Well, pedagogically, I know you you know we talk about scope and sequence and all that kind of thing but i think if you're if your program is going to be successful it's because the children love it Hmm. and they want to come out there um it it kills me when i go by a school and i see kids at recess and some of them are standing under a tree right that's a red flag those are children who are not comfortable moving they're afraid they're going to be laughed at because maybe they don't they're not coordinated. Um, nobody wants to play with them. And, and that just is not the way it should be in the life of a child. So for me, it's always been that the children, when they come out to the class, they feel like they can be successful. Right. That there's somebody out there that wants them to be successful. That their, their class is structured in such a way that the child who's really struggling with hand-eye coordination and the child who is a whiz are both going to leave that class feeling like they had a great 30, 40, 50 minutes. Um, I think it also has to be relevant. I think today, more so than when I first started teaching, you know, you you got to teach things that kids can do, right, and um, things that pique their interest, that are challenging, that give them, and I hate to say instant results, because I think a lot of times that's, we get too focused on that. We, we don't know what it is to plod, you know, and work hard to get something. We want it to happen immediately, but uh, I think it's got to be relevant. I think it's got to be exciting, um, and I think that, that the children need to have fun and they need to know how to share and take turns and be kind to one another um, and encourage each other. Um, and I, I know those are all effective things, and I, I know that. Again, everybody can plan great lessons, but I think the tone of your class is so important. That's great. That's a perfect answer. Kath,
1: um, what,
0: what would you say was one
1: thing you wish you had known earlier when you began your career that really would have been helpful if you could have known it on day one?
0: I wish that I knew more about Learning styles—the way people learn. Um, back when I was in school and teacher training, you planned a lesson and come hell or high water, you were going to teach that. Order, <laughs> you know, and it didn't matter whether the kids were getting it or they weren't. You—you you were not concerned about their learning style. You were concerned about your teaching style. Wow. And I wish that there, I had known more. I learned an awful lot about it later on, but I wish in the beginning, you know, that I had, I I knew more about that, but it just wasn't the focus when I was going through school.
2: Right. So early in your career, um, I'm assuming you, you received some kind of good advice about your career. Who gave it to you and what was it? What was that advice? What was, what was some of the best?
0: So, um, uh, I'll talk about this one lady <laughs> that was at at Florida. Her name was Dr. Norma Levitt and she's an icon there. And it, it her job was her life. And we used to laugh and say the woman never slept because she would turn in a notebook to her and... The next time you met class, she graded every one of them, and there were 10,000 red <laughs> Oh, Lord. I mean, she didn't just mark up your drill. She marked up your verb conjugation, <laughs> your pronouns. Your ne- I mean, she was a terror. <laughs> but she always, you know, always whenever we would teach our lessons, she was big on starting and stopping on time. Um. And being sure that when you were teaching, that your students knew what you were trying to teach them. And in order to do that, you had to be organized. And she always said that you had to take a personal interest in the students and that you had to be very particular about your dress, that you could not come in a wrinkled shirt, or, you know, we certainly wouldn't dare even be seen in a t shirt back at that time period. But, um, you know, your shirts needed to be ironed, your shorts needed to be ironed, and you needed to be professional. Buddy, wow. you'd have been a, in a world yeah, with the ironing. Right. Oh, yeah, correct, correct. Oh. And I was just thinking,
2: just the opposite. Oh, I was thinking, wow, Charity, you fit right in there. <laughs> so <laughs> I do love a I'm on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I do love a Okay. I so, don't. okay.
1: Kath, what would you say, you know, with all of your wealth of knowledge, would be the best advice that you would give to a future professional or to somebody who's really just starting out in their career?
0: You know, I've never regretted, and there was a time when I thought, why in the heck am I doing this? Because I went, as I said in the beginning, from you know, Special Olympics to the um, National Sports Festival, National Gymnastics, I went from one thing to another, year after year after year. It was like I must have had a great big S for sucker on my forehead that everybody said, let's ask her to be on this committee. But I will say that it, it just gave me so much experience in, in working with people and learning how to organize um, that I would encourage people to do that. You know, step out there. Get get him, try Special Olympics. If that's not for you, okay. Try wheelchair games. If that's not for you, okay. Try things that are related to your field. Especially get involved in your state organization and go to some meetings and volunteer to be on a, a low-level committee so you get to see how things work. And then keep moving up, move up, move up. Don't be afraid to take on leadership if you are then accept a small leadership role be the chair of something you know that isn't an ongoing year-long commitment so that you can you gain confidence in yourself after special olympics i have to be honest with you i, I don't I, other than the the regular olympic games i don't think there's anything anybody could have asked me to do that would have been intimidating wow
1: yeah but, Great point.
0: You know, because it, it was just a, an unbelievable eight-day event where a million things could have gone wrong, but they didn't. Right. But I, I um, think that
2: that's, and I, I would love to be able to tell you that I think I, it really depends on the university, but something, there's something about, if it's not in the syllabus, a lot of students have a harder time. I don't know if it's just they've got so much going in their life but just to get them outside and step into these service roles uh, are tougher today. And I don't know if it's just my area. I don't know if it's in Louisiana, but I'm just saying it's, it seems like sometimes, you know, just getting them to take that step because they need it. Those service things are the most important. Now I'm going to move to a question that I love to ask. um, And it's about who influence, who is the most influential person uh, to you, besides the lady who did all the red ink, so uh, I'm I'm interested. Who are if you were to name two, three, four people that you would say these these people? This is our chance to give a shout out and really to say thank you. And so, even if they are not on the earth anymore, but whatever it is, I would want you to have a chance to just name the people that
0: influenced you. Okay, so back in high school we had a cheerleading sponsor. Her name was Margaret Austin. And she was an incredible woman. And she had the highest standards that you can imagine for our behavior, for our performance, for the personal expectations of what we were supposed to do, how we were supposed to act, everything. And she she had a huge influence on me. because she was a physical education teacher, and when I got you know out and I was teaching, I would think, you know today I might be thinking do i what would Margaret Austin think of me right now, or what would Dr. Norma Levitt think of me right now Wow, you know how did i look was i how was i teaching what how was I interacting with my colleagues and the students um At LSU and my professional collegiate career and and through Lafer at LSU, certainly Dr. Amelia Lee was my mentor when I got there. We were assigned a mentor, and she was very instrumental. But, again, and I guess I lucked out in this regard, that I always had people who had um, very high and lofty goals and very high standards. And so um, I learned an awful lot from her and her graduate students. I probably helped collect data for 10 or 15 dissertations over the the years. Um, I should have my own, but I don't. Um, But I I sure collected enough data to do it. Um, And then uh, you know, I have to say, the other group of people that have had just a profound impact on me have been my Sam Buddies. Um, I'm still really good friends with a lot of them, as you know. and we, we may not see each other throughout the year, but when we do see each other at a conference, it's like no time has passed. But we also know that if we need anything, we can pick up the phone, and in a second, we can, we can get help, advice, or whatever we need. So They're like those, your extended those,
2: family, I guess.
0: They, they really are. They really are. And, you know, some of, some of the people when I was there are still doing it, like Maria. A lot of them have retired. But um, we we were very fortunate to have the group that we had that, you know, Karen Dowd and um, just we had a lot of um, presidents that valued us, Jill Barnes and, um, you know, Danny Ballard and just uh, lots of other folks that Glenn Roswell and, you know, just all kind of people that valued what we did and made us stronger. so. Those are definitely, um, those Sam Buddies were important. That's well, perfect.
1: You know, and I tell you what, Kath, you know, it, so many times on the show, we talk about our professional involvement. And it, it really, especially the older we get, it seems to be less about the professional involvement and more about the relationships, right? Absolutely. So, you know, and you were an integral part of our inaugural Health and Physical Literacy Summit. And Buddy... After talking to Kath today, and I know we're, we're close to wrapping up here, but I mean, was Kath not the perfect person for uh, helping us get the Health and Physical Literacy Summit off the ground? I think she could organize a convention
2: uh, in her she sleep was with perfect.
1: both hands tied behind her back. Well, so. and
2: I'm just saying everything oh, looked pretty, like the tables. Oh, I mean, yes. she just, she has something that I that she has a gift buddy it's I mean pretty. every time I turned around there was balloons and yeah just pretty
1: stuff and I think it's class I think it she is a level that we we probably will not achieve with nope, our nope, shorts nope. and t-shirts yeah. but Thank um you. Kath you know what <laughs> in all honesty what was it like to be part of the planning team and you were the social committee chair and like Sandra said everything that we did that was a social was just off the charts great what was your experience like being part of something that was brand spanking new?
0: Well, again, look at the people we had to work with. You were our fearless leader. We had the Donna's. We had Cam. We had, you know, Milton and uh, Andrew and just a whole group of people. Um, Sandra, you, everybody. And when you're working with people, I, I was so excited to do that just because I knew I was going to be working with good people that when they said they were going to do something, you knew they were going to do right. it. And you know, when, when that's, when that's the way it is, it's, it's not a job to do something. It's fun. You know, And I, I golly bum, i turned around and looked at my lay for people. And I said, I need y'all to help me. We're going to make this fun. We're going to make this enjoyable. We want everybody to feel at home. We're going, not just Southern District, but we're inviting people all over the country. And my Louisiana folks just jumped in with both feet and had a ball too. And they, and they look they, good. They I mean, they fun. were, they,
2: <laughs> they were dressed to the hilt. I'm, it it was amazing, and I think one of the things that we really want to do with the summit was really make it a, a an incredible professional development time. And there's no doubt there's social, and we do a lot of things on the outside. But what do you what role do you think it, that the summit actually played, and can has played, and will play in the future with professional development of our health educators, physical educators, and uh, the other professionals in our field.
0: Well. You know, of course, we want it to be really successful because and and I don't mean just numbers, but we we want money and I I don't mean to sound crass, but it's through money that we're able to provide opportunities for our upcoming leaders and for our our students that are coming into our fields, provide them with these leadership opportunities, because that's how we all got started. I mean, my eyes were wide open and my so was my mouth when I went to the um, president elects conference uh, in back in the eighties and I was like, man, this is where I want to be these people are amazing right. and that's you it takes money to do that and again we're not we all have jobs I mean I don't now I'm retired but it, most of you all, you have a full-time job, and when you put on a conference, it takes a lot of your free time to do that, and you sure don't have time to be out fundraising at a level so that you can say, well, we don't really care if the summit makes money as long as we break even, because you, you've got to have some money so that you can support these things that we know have proven to be so valuable and i think to be honest with you that what has kept southern district so viable on the national scene is our the strength of our leadership conferences and how much emphasis we put into that right. time and money right
1: it's a great point kath what is uh what was one of your favorite memories from the summit back in february
0: oh i got to say and i've heard other people say this too but the night of the social, yeah. I mean, it, it was like old times. <laughs> everybody was having fun. Everybody was dancing. Everybody was laughing. We served everybody food, which was a first. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, it, it was just, it couldn't have been any better. Um, the auction, uh, people were laughing. People that didn't know people were laughing and talking to each other the camaraderie was just <clears throat> exceptional. Well, there's but that's cuz everybody did it their job.
2: Yeah. And I think that the key is those memories and those are special and I don't think that those will ever I mean we 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 have them and gosh we've we've enjoyed listening to other people's memories but I I like to ask about the memories of any any conference that you've ever been and my goodness you have you've racked up a lot of travel miles in your career and I know you've seen a lot of things but I'm interested, do you have a, an all-time favorite story that you'd like to tell the group?
0: I'm going to tell you one real quick thing, and that and then another funny story that will involve people you know. That, those are um, our
1: favorite, by the way. We, we, live yeah. for, we live for those.
0: So getting talking about Sam again, when Katrina hit, it, it impacted not just... Um, new orleans but it also impacted lafayette and and other parishes in south louisiana new orleans got so much publicity obviously because it was a huge city but the sam group i can't tell you how many tens 20 30 $40, worth of equipment that they sent from their state to me wow At my office to distribute to teachers who lost everything in their gyms. That was incredible. And um, that will always go down as one of the the big things. It was so touching to everybody in Louisiana. But a funny story was at the President Lex conference, and we were at the um, Crystal City Hyatt and Sister Jean Marie Craig that you all love her love love um, Sister Jean was the president-elect and she is the only nun um, that has a PhD in physical education so she is Dr. Sister (laughs) um, Sister Jean Marie Craig okay so we are sitting at the end of the at the end of the conference there was always a banquet and then at night we would go up to wherever there was a cocktail lounge, and we would all sit around, and it was pretty much Southern District people and their presidents, the EDs and their president-elect, sitting around this big uh, area. Chairs were kind of in a circle, and it was at the top of the Hyatt, and it was a beautiful view overlooking the uh, airport, uh, Reagan Airport, and, or Washington National, whatever you'd want to call it. But anyway, it was a rainstorm, and um it, it was lightning, and there was thunder, and Karen Dowd was sitting across from me, and Sister Jean was sitting next to me and all of a sudden, there was this lightning and thunder to where it shook the glass panes oh. Oh, this, no, you know, on top of this building. Karen Dowd literally went from her seat, which her back was to the airport. And somehow landed between me and Sister Jean. We were sitting pretty close together. And she said, I I know if I'm sitting here next to Sister Jean, like she's not going (laughs) to. But, you know, those kind of fun things that you you just remember when you think back of a funny story. Gosh, great memories. Awesome. That's fun. Good, good time. Yeah. All right,
1: Kath, we're going to, we're going to bring it on home with some rapid fire questions. So oh my are, are God. you ready? Okay. All right.
0: Yeah. I hope I'm not the weakest link. Oh,
1: never, <laughs> never. That's why we're here actually. So, <laughs> okay. um, so how have you been handling the craziness of COVID-19? What have you been doing to kind of keep your sanity these last few months?
0: I've been driving my children and grandchildren crazy. Oh, super. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm texting to you know how bad it is. I'm texting <laughs> my granddaughter, Hannah Lou, um, about dancing with the stars all through the program last night, so but they have kept me sane and, and they come and visit even if they have to stand in the driveway or oh. I have to stand in the driveway, depending on who's been exposed and who, wow. hasn't. but they've been. Awesome. Well, and so I tell they, you what, buddy,
1: I don't know if you know this, but uh, my mare is, I believe, French for grandmother. And you talk about a beloved mamère. I bet. To her grandchildren. I bet. Oh, my goodness. I can't My goodness. That.
0: They're wonderful.
2: All right. You ready they for mine?
0: Wonderful. I'm ready. Okay.
2: If you had another profession that you could choose that is not this profession, what would it have been?
0: I would I would probably have said that um maybe I would be like an event coordinator oh, for us. Okay. Oh, no,
2: perfect. Okay. Oh you my god. That would that matches you.
0: Ding ding ding. Either, either that or I I could like run the governor's name. Oh,
1: that oh. Okay. Oh, could happen. you just, wow. be not gonna could just be the governor? Could you just be the governor? Well,
0: well yeah, but then I'd have to run and I don't want to. <laughs> <run>. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna
2: ask you another question real quick. What's okay. the best advice you ever you received from your mom or dad?
0: Okay, easy. My mom always told me that the best thing you could do is cook for people.
1: Oh my gosh, she <laughs> was a brilliant <laughs> in, in, woman.
0: Yes, indeed, she loved to entertain, and she said when you have people come to your home and you cook for them, let them feel special, oh. and if they're spending the night, put little flowers in their bedroom or in their bathroom to let them know that you really were looking forward to them coming. Buddy, oh, that is the greatest! I, c- I can't match uh, that really. Oh. Oh. And and my dad, who was awesome too, is my dad always said you have to treat everyone the same. He said you have to be able to, to get along with the town and the gown. Oh that's great. And yeah. you treat the custodians like you treat your boss. Nice, yep.
1: great, yeah. great advice. Well, thank Kat, you, Kathy. Kath, listen, you know we, as I think I've said, we're up to seventeen listeners, and uh, we now apparently have a Twitter following of maybe like two, and <laughs> hey. so we are so excited because we've had a write-in question that we oh. that's just been brought to my attention. So this is a oh, late-breaking Lord. question. That was, unplanned for up until <laughs> oh, this wow. moment. Yeah, yeah, th- buddy, this is a big deal. Yes, this is, is, big this deal. is hot. Right, this is right off the press. So, Kath, we've had a listener who would like to know, when are you planning on writing your memoir?
0: Oh, Lord, I don't think I could.
1: Oh, too much uh, racy detail, or what, what's what's the what's the hold up there?
0: I, I don't know. I don't know where I would even start, and I, I just... Um there's so much in my head <laughs> that I wouldn't, you know, I don't know. Um, I've, I've given it some thought sometime, but I might have to, you know, maybe when I'm not as right now, I'm kind of busy, you know, I'm doing things and you got to sit down and really work at something like that.
1: Yeah. So, well, listen, uh, hopefully Ginger can follow up with this listener and, and let them know to, um, okay.
0: you know, okay. probably
1: the memoir is not coming in the next couple of months. (laughs) Right. Don't be
0: on the edge of your seat.
1: (laughs) Right. We'll put an alert in our Amazon cart just in case the Kathy Hill book comes along. All right, Kathy, we have come to the end of our show, and we have a great game that we love to play with our friends on the show, and it's called Two Truths and a Lie, And this game is in honor of our very good, dear, mutual friend, Cam Kirst. And you know Cam very well, Kathy. Uh, The most we've ever learned about Cam has come from playing Two Truths and a Lie. So we are going to have you tell us three statements about you. Two of those statements will be true, and one of them will be a lie, And Ginger, our amazing executive producer, who, by the way, is on a streak of getting these correct, she is going to guess which statement about you is not true. So, Kath, are you ready?
0: I'm fired up.
1: Oh, we cannot wait. All right. So, go ahead and hit us. And Ginger, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it.
0: Okay. Number one, I marched in the Orange Bowl parade and performed at the Orange Bowl halftime show. Ooh. Number two, I went whitewater rafting and took a hot air balloon ride two months apart. Number three, I won the baking contest in Home Ec in the ninth grade. Oh, wow. God, these are hard. Ginger, I'm sorry. They are hard, but I totally think her third statement about winning the baking contest has to be one of the true statements. Because y'all are telling me about how good she cooks. Mm. I mean, that's...
1: You have no idea. I don't. That, I don't but, know. Yeah. I've just heard.
2: I've heard it over mm-hmm. and over. Yes, that
0: that, that one's got to be solid. Um, hmm. I could see you taking part in the Orange Bowl parade and halftime show. I'm going to go with your lie being your second statement about whitewater rafting and hot air ballooning. All right, Now, Charity, do you all weigh in on this? Well, I am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I, I might stay out of this. One.
2: Buddy, no, I, think... I, stay, I I, I got to stay out of this. But do I... you want me to guess? No, because you just okay. said you knew. No, that's no, not, I that's think, not fair. I think,
1: I think I might know. I might know. But I do have a guess. Can I whisper my guess? And that way you'll know if I no. got it
0: right. <laughs> yeah, no. Whisper. Okay. I think, Kat, I think
1: maybe you didn't win the baking contest because... Not all great cooks are great bakers. And so I'm going to go with your lie was the baking contest in ninth grade.
0: Oh, Charity, you, you, you found the out. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you bake? Please tell us. Oh, there wasn't
1: even one. Oh, oh, oh that wow. was, You
2: sold that one great.
0: Oh, see. You did. I was, uh, I was
1: waiting on, like, I baked a flambe, and it was terrible, and I got an F, and it was, you know, the only F I ever got in Holmec. But, all right, well, you, you yeah, I, I got way it Way to go, Kathy. Reason.
2: That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that was awesome. I am very sorry, Ginger. It was yeah. a good try. I know. Good try. I know. Well,
1: hey, guys, listen, mm. we have come to the close of another exciting episode of Scaling the Summit. Kathy. You are a dear friend. We love you. Thank oh, you, I so, love much. you so much. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you. I do love you. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for joining us today. And, buddy, okay. uh, we will bring everybody back together again next week.
0: That's it.
2: Bring all some right. of that. Right. I, I'm still looking for that spaghetti. Oh, buddy. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, listen. Thank
0: you all for doing this. Yes, Absolutely. Ma'am. Okay. And we'll
1: see you guys
2: in a week. Everybody
1: take care. All right. Okie doke. Bye. 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 Bye.